This is the Seahawkers podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz, and I am joined by my good buddy, Adam Emmert. I am also joined by my good buddy, Clinton Bonner, who is here after the reaction yesterday to the announcement of our new head coach. Clinton didn't get to join us, but here he is. We want to get into the press conference and what we heard out of our new head coach, Mike McDonald. But uh, Clinton, I, I want to get your reaction because I have well. I, I heard your initial reaction because you called me on the phone, like as soon as I saw the tweet. Um, but I, I want to hear, I, I want to hear it like to the to the world right now. To the world, yeah, to everybody. So I was, uh, I'm in the limousine as this is the the hot, this is the Seahawkers podcast limo after the the off season was over, so we could put the 3D printer down and take that because we leased that. Really, we didn't want to tell the world, Brandon. We leased that because it's tough to buy nowadays, right? So with interest rates and everything, so. We put the money into the Seahawkers pod limousine. I'm in the 88 Continental. I'm just back from SeaTac myself. Brandon, Adam, I am fired up about this. And there's one very simple reason. It's because the biggest issue we had was on defense. This guy's a defensive genius. He does things. The league's got to go chase us now. There were some interesting things that came up even in the very beginning of that press conference today that kind of hinted at that. I know we're going to talk about it, but overall, I am very fired up. I think we absolutely nailed this part of it. Let's see how it goes from here. There's no guarantees, right? That's how life goes. But I love the hiring. I am fired up for McDonald. It does feel like they nailed it, especially after hearing some of the opening remarks. There, there was that little bit of worry. And I mean, not a ton of worry because we've, we've seen Mike McDonald speak in press conferences before as a coordinator. But We've also seen guys who get into that moment and and the moment seems a little bit too big for them. Maybe there were like some moments that we could critique, but for the most part, I I thought uh, McDonald kind of, he, he nailed the press conference for the most part. Yeah, he really did. Uh, composed, professional, even keel. It, that's basically what I got out of Mike McDonald, this press conference. And really, I didn't expect to get any like nuggets out of this. And I'd be like, Oh yeah, this is where we're going to do this. is What we're going to yeah. do this, is where we're going all that stuff. It was all platitudes. It was all the same stuff that everybody says. All I was really looking for was for Mike McDonald to not Catfish! the bed in his press conference and have like an Adam Gase moment or, uh, you know, Sirianni moment or Jonathan, Gale, all that stuff. Right. I just, not that he easily passed that bar in, now we get to see what he actually does, and that will be the exciting part. And I think he's got a nice vision for the team. I am a little bit disappointed, though, that, and I don't know if you guys remember the scene in The 40-Year-Old Virgin where he goes, where Jane Lynch has, like, the whole wall of TVs with Mike McDonald playing on a loop, and he comes up to her and says, you know, today's the day I tell you that, that this essentially has to stop. I, I thought that... In, as I saw the welcome video of Mike McDonald coming through the doors of uh, of the facility there at the VMAC, I thought it would have been cool to recreate that and have, you know, Mike McDonald of the Doobie Brothers playing on all the screens mm-hmm. as he walked in and uh, just to have a little goof on him. But maybe maybe a fail on, on the part of Jody Allen. A big, a big swing, a little bit of a miss right there to not be playing some of the classics, right? A little, even if he's rolling in with a little, okay, forget, forever, for, you know, that, that'd be fun. That'd be a fun thing to have. But, but on the, on the important side, I, I do think guys, Adam's there was not entertained I mean, by this discussion. <laughs> no, man, I'll tell you why, because you guys are both way off the mark here. He's 36 years old. He doesn't know who the hell the Doobie brothers are. We didn't hire Pete Carroll back. 
We're not playing, you know, 50s gold. I uh, guarantee you his mom deal. and dad played the Doobie Brothers. I, he's he's I, perfectly I, I, in that age group. Good I, Lord, people. I absolutely guarantee you that our Mike McDonald knows exactly who the Mike McDonald is, the other Mike McDonald. I know he knows that dude. And I do. I think this actually goes into a little bit of like, who is this guy? Like, because uh, I think, you know, we, we shall discuss, but you no, know, Pete Carroll, he ain't. So if we were looking, you know, if we we're like, hey, you know, we're going to keep the culture. We're going to really focus on that culture. I got a couple of things to say about that because where I work, I work inside big companies and uh, I, I know corporate speak. And I also know when people uh, really, really dive into it and, and say they, they really love culture and they make that a part of their fabric. And then I know folks who kind of nod and, and say things about culture that they have to say, but they're really just focused on results. And I think, and guys, I'm going to break this to you. If you think this dude's more like Pete Carroll or more like Jim Harbaugh, I got news for you. He's a lot more like Jim Harbaugh and he's our coach now. Yes. He, he, and I think that can be okay too, because I, I think that you can recognize that there are important cultural pieces that are in place but still instill some of the values that you find important within the culture that you want to build. But it's not talking about, I, I was just happy to hear, I, I go back to Jim Moore Jr. I, I didn't want to hear him talk about how you know things need to change. Or mm. it's, it's more of a, yeah, I, I want to bring my part to it, recognizing that Pete is different than I am and I'm going to be authentic to me. That was the important thing that I heard. I, I also have to agree with uh, Ryan 911 here. I, I think McDonald's field uh, might be a good way to go now. Absolutely freaking not. We are not going to be the value meal field. Okay. Like we're not doing that. <laughs> we're not, it'll be like, Hey, where are you going to play? We're going to go play at the number six uh, without pickles this week. No, absolutely not. No. Michael Mathis coming in with the 999 super chat. I'm excited to see how Mike builds this team. I'm even curious to see if he'll see value in players like Mike Morris or Jarek Reed. He also needs to hashtag establish the Bobo. <laughs> he, he will. Uh, Bobo is a good player and Bobo will, will find time on the field and find more time on the field. Right. Uh, I have no, no, I thought Bobo had a great rookie year for wh where he came from. Uh, only, only up, you know, just things looking up for Bobo. So I think, I think he absolutely will. Uh, the parts about, you know, Mike Morris and Jarek Reed, like, well, heck yeah. Right. I mean, like Mike Morris, we didn't get to see. However, I mean, A, he knows the dude. He saw the hug he gave that guy when he walked into the room. Right. Um, he, he literally coached him. And Mike Morris is a, is a physical specimen, like a different type of player who, who might be good. We don't know. We kind of got, you know, red shirt here. We just don't know what's up. Jarek Reed, to me, when the whole season ended, I felt like the most robbed of that we didn't get him. Because if he was healthy with everything that happened with Adams and everything else, we would have gotten like a healthy dose of Reed. And from what we saw, at least on uh, special teams, like he was, he brought his hat, he, and did his assignment, right? That was another big thing that I would, that I really thought was interesting guys was in the press conference. He talked about, look, I'm not into freelance football. He's not into people freelancing. It's like, no, 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 a little bit, a little bit of, he didn't say it, but a little Belichickian, right? Of like, Hey, do your job. Know what your role is. Trust the person next to you that they'll know and they'll they'll be accountable and responsible. And do your job and don't go freelancing. I thought that was a really interesting thing. And I think like a Jarek Reed could come in 
and do a job next year. So just to answer Michael's part there, I think, I think he's, you know, I think it's a cool question, but I think Jarek Reed's going to be a big, big player. I hope Adam, what do you think, dude? Uh, sure. Maybe uh, we didn't see enough <laughs> of Jarek Reed to be like, Oh yeah, for sure. That's somebody that uh, Mike, cause it's not coach Mac. It's not uh, yeah, coach yeah, Mike. It's Mike. Mike. Uh, he made that clear. Uh, if he's a player that Mike can work with and has the traits and everything that he's looking for, I think it's wild speculation. Who the hell knows? Uh, and I think one of the things I took away from this press conference is I couldn't take away much from the press conference because I could sit and listen to a Pete press conference and parse out Pete and, you know, get all the subtleties and the subtext and all the things that he's trying to get across in that press conference. Um, I can't do that at all yet with Mike McDonald in any way, shape or form. Um, I would like to think that he likes Mike Morris a lot, considering that he was a part of the Michigan Wolverines team. Although he want, he played him outside on right. the end rather than yeah. inside. Like Pete wanted to play him. We'll see what that looks like. Pete had asked him to gain weight and all that. Who knows? But you mentioned the assignment football thing, Clinton. And I really liked his explanation of that entire thought process. He was like, look, we do lots of complicated things. Mm -hmm. I boil it down so it's simple for the player. So while we may have a big, complicated scheme, your particular job is simple within that complexity and make it easy for them. And then we're going to explain the why the wide everything. I think a lot of coaches just tell you to do stuff and you're just supposed to do it. That would not work for me as a, as a human. I, if you don't give me the why you ain't going to get crap from me. Like I, I need to know the why And once they know that and they really understand what you're going for, that's how guys can stay on assignment and really play quick and aggressive. Just like Mike McDonald likes I, I that part fired me up. Hmm. Yeah, the just the the calmness, the the sense that you get, the the seriousness you you liken him to. I, I'm not sure which Harbaugh, but either one, I suppose. Maybe you get the the less awkward version of Jim, which might already <laughs> yeah. be John anyway. But I, I think that yeah. that's a a fine de, fine demeanor to have. It's just you know, Jim Harbaugh's weird. Uh, yeah. Can we talk about weird John at the beginning of the <laughs> press conference talking about being creepy or something for yeah. some reason yeah. talking about, I don't know. Did he hire a cheerleader as a spy or something to, uh, you know, go after Mike McDonald's inner workings there and find out what makes him tick. John had some weird stuff. He was saying early well, on. He, in that press conference. he mentioned, I think he was making a joke referencing the fact that Mike's wife is a Ravens cheerleader. Or was oh. a Ravens cheerleader? One oh, two. okay. That, that okay. Scene, scene missing when you don't have that context. And you're like, <laughs> like because he said the words, oh, yeah, I creeped out his wife. I'm like, these are things you probably don't want to say. <laughs> <laughs> like, what did you do, John? What did you do? Like, that's what I wanted to know. But he still got his man, so that was cool. Yeah. Um, I, yeah I know, I know Jason had that question earlier, too, in the in the chat. What was that cheerleader's remark about? And, and yeah, I think yeah. that's the background, is knowing that his wife uh, is a cheerleader, was a cheerleader. Interesting. Okay. that That's interesting stuff. So, so Brandon, there was another piece for me, too, that stood out fairly early on. I don't know who the reporter was who asked it. Tough to hear because that's how <laughs> press conferences go still. They haven't figured that out It needs to be job one for Mike. That needs to be job one for know, Mike. Right? It's getting mics for the reporters. Good Lord. It's in the name, right? It was it was a female reporter, and she she phrased the question and said something along the lines of like, well, you know, uh, I think it was like, oh, all your players love you. You know, uh, your ex-players of the Ravens, they're coming out. They're coming out. They really love you. 
and, and then she said, like, being a player's coach, she said, and then she mm. asked the question. And Mike's response, Coach McDonald's response was, he goes, oh, he's like, I've never been called a player's coach. And then he answered the question. <laughs> it was, it's, I'm paraphrasing a bit, but he was like, it, again, where that juxtaposition versus what Pete is, like Pete is the definition, the epitome of a player's coach, right? Culture and everything that he he does from like a emp- empathetic uh, uh, relationship with the players. And he was just like, Stone goes like, yeah, I've never really been played, called a player's coach. And then he went on to answer whatever the question was. I was like, that's something. Like to me, Adam, you were saying that you were, you know, weren't sure about how to parse some of those things. Some of those things were him just put it for me, putting the chips on the table, be like, no, I'm not that way. Like it's, it's not going to be this thing where, where it's, where maybe the players love me on that level or for the, for reasons that are, you know, not natural to him. But he did talk about connecting with the players and the way that you make that connection is by making sure that they know how to do their job and do it well and putting them in positions to be successful. And I think that that is the connection that I I think that those players are responding to that brings up that level of respect. Oh, I I agree. He he gets back to that in that way. It's it's just a different way than, than uh, coach Carroll went about it for, basically at uh, the time when he went to USC onward, when he made that switch in his career, they talked about, right. Right. Yeah. I don't know that it's that different. I, what I heard out of Mike was that he talked a lot about relationships and not just relationships with staff and all that, but relationships with the players and that it's all about the players. Like they talked about that multiple times. There's a reason why all his players are gushing about him from Baltimore. Like he creates relationships in, cares about his players genuinely and that's not a far cry from pete carroll now will there be a little bit more tough love than just rah rah positivity yeah it seems so that way but when john said he wanted to keep a part of the culture i definitely feel like there's a lot about mike here that it's in with that he can build upon or take little nuggets from from the culture that pete left behind and twist it to make it his own because the other thing he made clear is like Look, man, there's one Pete Carroll, and he's awesome. Um, I'm just going to be me, man, and yeah. not really worry about it. And his self-confidence was something that even Britt, like, just hearing it as she was walking around the house doing some stuff as I was listening to the press, was like, damn, that guy's confident. And it really came across. You definitely got that sense. And and there is a culture component to it, too, that I, I think ties in with both of them I want to get to. But I also want to get to our Ryan 911's 999 Super Chat says, new coach. New all Ashton Green uniform rumors. How are we feeling? I, I thought the new uniform rumors were that the color tweaks are coming to to try and tie it more back to the throwback style colors. And, and that's what we might be seeing with the new uniforms. That's what I heard, too. I, I've, I've heard the op- kind of the opposite that the, the Action Green would not be a featured color, potentially. These are things that are happening on Reddit, which whatever, <laughs> whatever Adam thinks of, of Twitter... Then there's Reddit. So I'm not, maybe maybe Reddit matters more. Maybe it's like more like the National Enquirer, where it actually gets gets some things right every now and again. Um, but yeah, I, I I like Action Green. I actually do. But I'm fine if it goes away. It's it's no big deal to me. I like the old school colors. It looks beautiful this year. That entire getup looked beautiful. And thank you, Ryan, by the way, for doing everything you do every time we're on here. Action Green is an accent. It's an accent. It can't be the primary color on anything. Please, God, just let that go away. Except for my limo. 
it's fun. Action <laughs> Green is fun. Those of us who like football it to is, be fun, it can be fun. So yeah, I'm with Amy. Screw you guys that, that don't like the all <laughs> hey, action. Uh, green. Look, fun doesn't always have to be ugly, Brady. Like it can be, you know, good looking. Like maybe the throwback. Year. I don't know. I like ugly sweater season in around Christmas. Like that's fun too. So you know, ugly can be fun and. Action green can be whatever you choose it to be if it's ugly for you or not. So, do you know what I choose it to be? I choose it to be the uniform that ended Camp Chancellor's career and Earl Thomas's career. Like, or not Earl Thomas, but uh, Richard Sherman's career, like with the Seahawks. That that's what action green means to me. Mr. Phil coming in, you can relate with genuine care and still not be a quote unquote players coach, someone who lets players nearly run the asylum. And I don't know, maybe we started to see it. it move into that toward the end. I know a lot of people pointed to the the cigars in the locker room thing toward the end of the season and and maybe some of the other things that were going on in the locker room that we didn't see but were referenced. Um, but the culture component that I think ties in really well with what Pete really tried to convey was the teaching component and how coaches are really, you know, it's not so much about it. And we heard this from Mike, in, in several of his um, his commentaries, because he also did several radio interviews in addition to the press conference, but he talked about not being so much of an X, or he, he thought that when he got into coaching, it was going to be heavy X's and O's type. That's what a coach does, right? Is It's all about the X's and O's. But then he got into it and realized, you know, it's more about that relationship component. And and I, I guess I drew that comparison more of the teaching component, too, of of really trying to get across what what the players need to be doing in a particular moment and making the connection that way. So I, I think that that's also a, a component of the culture that Pete Carroll tried to get across and and find coaches who are really good at, at the teaching part of it. And, uh, and so, yeah, I'm excited that that part of it kind of gets to continue. The, the piece for me that, that's, that I agree that there are a lot of similarities there. I do think there's going to be some pretty stark differences in, in the approach when it gets down to the individual level. And then when he's, when McDonald is, is with, with core groups there and we hear Patrick queen talk about him and say like, Hey, nobody cares more about more about the small details and the executional details, which goes back to Adam, you talked about it earlier, the ability to take complex systems and atomize them into discrete tasks that need to be done and be done at, at time with trust. And then the whole system works. This dude's a, I work with folks like this, man. This dude's a systems engineer, like through and through. And his culture, it's a different type of culture. It will care, but he cares about the machine working flawlessly because that's what, that's what it takes for, for this to, to go. And this is not a bad thing. It's just different. It's a different touch than what, what Pete's going to bring to the table. And, um, I think it's going to manifest itself. And like he's, his answer to was the Stacy and bump was like, look, or the, actually the press conference was look, we got a good culture here. Like you said, Brandon, we got a good culture. I'm not going to, I'm not going to mess with that. Um, and again, for me, that screams someone who just goes, that's not what I really care about. What I care about is accountability on individual levels. And then when we get that, we're, we're going to have a culture of winning. We're going to have a culture of like doing things really, really crisply because we know our stuff. It's just a different type of culture. It's, 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 I'm telling you dudes, it's going to feel a lot different, not to say good, better. I'm just saying it's, it's going to be wildly different than, than what Pete brought to the table. That's my first interpretation after seeing McDonald's. 
we need to go back to more of the surface level things like Gambling Goat is talking about here. Are we just going <laughs> to gloss over the fact that McDonald was wearing an athletic hoodie under his sports coat, styling? He did explain. He explained how this happened. Uh, apparently, he had uh, he was trying to coordinate with John in terms of casual versus business, and they they got that a little bit mixed up. And uh, because at the, I think we saw at the actual signing uh, that. Uh, John was in a hoodie, like a hoodie, literal yeah. hoodie, while Mike was in a suit. I don't think he was wearing a tie, though. So it was no, relatively no business casual. And and then they ended up not being able to coordinate because uh, John goes with the sport coat with the unbuttoned shirt. And then he goes with the hoodie, but then throws on the jacket, I guess, to make it a little more formal. So, yeah, uh, I think that's how that happened. Yeah, Adam, what do you think? But what do you think about that look, Adam? I think we saw it a little bit from some players this year. What do you? What do you? Do you like it or are you anti uh, jacket with the hoodie? Okay, well, one, the last coach <laughs> to be famous for a hoodie was a pretty darn good one. So I, I'm excited mm. about that. Uh, that seems to bode well. Secondly, uh, the jacket hoodie combination. Look, there's one thing that is just completely unnecessary in that combination, and that's the stupid jacket. <laughs> I do not understand suit jackets. They make no sense to me. They're not particularly warm. Like, what in the world is the point of a suit jacket? It's just, it's fancy for fancy's sake. It's stupid. He should have just gone with the hoodie, and uh, it might have even been better. But it also kind of points to a little bit of that whole youth movement thing as well, which, uh, you know, I, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for a change. And, you know, Clinton, you were talking about the culture being radically different. I, I really don't see it that way. I think it's, going to be maybe like 30, 40% of the same, another, you know, 20 or 30% that's, you know, tweaked a little bit. And then, you know, the last remaining bit there being like, Oh, that's quite a bit different. I think it's going to be sterner, but um, in terms of just the, when I heard Mike talk about networking and what that was like for Mm -hmm. him and, and what types of things he's looking for, or John was talking about the type of networker that Mike was, in relationships and all of that stuff. That's all fundamental Seahawks stuff that's been in the culture uh, ever since Pete Carroll arrived. And I think that uh, that will continue on as well. I don't see it as being a radical departure. We I, And time will tell for sure. And that's just yeah. an interpretation, right? And, and, um, and it's a heavy, heavy bias from my experience in the in corporate world. And, and I can parse out different folks, sure. I think fairly uh, easily at this point. I mean, that, that's a, and I think they are both valuable is, is the whole thing. And, and they both can lead very successfully. Pete's done it. And now McDonald will get a chance to do it his way. I do want to say with the, the hoodie jacket, there's two things. The hoodie jacket, uh, Andrew Whitworth rocked that all year long on yeah. Thursday Night Football. Like that was his thing. And okay, he looks good. He, he fills it out. He's look, he looks pretty good. Looks comfy. Um, to your, your comment about the, the suit jacket in general, like why? It's military, man. It's, uh, you know, like young men get out of the military. What do you do? You put them in a suit. A suit is a, that's, it's a uniform, right? And it's corporate, it's corporate trying to make you look the same, right? This is, this goes back to the whole thing of like twenties, thirties, industrial. It's just to make people look the same, Adam. So it's not for warmth. It is to, is to put them in a uniform way. That's where it comes from. It comes from the military, right? So, uh, GR so, double girl roast. That's all I got to say about <laughs> but, that. But, but that's where it comes from. You want the answer, and that's it. That's not for warmth. You're right. Okay. I, I just like the idea that he was like intending to go with the hoodie 
and, and that's it for the initial press conference. I like his instincts there, he and, and yeah, maybe, maybe he messed up by throwing the jacket on uh, and having that addition. But that's we we can we can critique that part of it too. Uh, we can critique still the, the most part. handsome coach in the NFC West, Brandon. Yeah. He's still the most handsome coach in the NFC West. We nailed it there. We we did nail it there. So that's that's important. And uh, <laughs> because if yeah, I, I think maybe if they had gone Ben Johnson, they'd they'd still be in that running. But after that, it was it was pretty stark drop off. You know, at least not it, there would be a competition. Now there's no competition. Yeah. And also in the, the jacked category, I saw that, that earlier too, I've got to yeah. put it on screen, but, uh, you know, now McVay versus versus McDonald. I don't know if they're, they're, they're both pretty, <laughs> they're, they're both pretty goosed a little bit. So that'd be, that'd be interesting to see who could, uh, you know, put up 225 a few oh, more times. If you wanted to beat McVay in a fight, you just rub your hand on the top of his head and smear the hair gel in his eyes and you could be able to take <laughs> him out in a second. There, there was a comment in the chat that I did want to get to about, the because there is some concern around the risk of hiring a young coach and you know seeing massive success and i can think of a couple names in terms of coaches that that got in at a young age and then continued to have sustained success throughout their nfl career the the couple names that come to mind Sean McVay obviously the guy in our division crazy that he's just 37 so he you know <laughs> even though as long as he's been in our division he's still on the uh, younger side of 40 and now McDonald, the, the youngest coach, Mike Tomlin, another Mike who came in relatively young guy and has continued to, to have success in Pittsburgh. There's probably others that I'm just not thinking of, but yeah, I, I think it's possible, but it is a risk, right? Sure. It, it's a risk. I don't know. I just, I don't look at age as some predetermination of, like of, of the experience you need now, it's, you, it could be, you know, certainly there's things that I've learned, whatever, in my career that I just didn't know before. I had to learn some things the hard way. Um, however, his path has been fairly accelerated, right? And it's not like it's, 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 it's not like it's a nothing happening until now. He talked about in the press conference as an intern, he's walking down the hallway and, and uh, who's the Raven, uh, Ravens GM? That he's a uh, Newsom, right? Ozzy Newsom. Awesome. Yeah. And he's, you know, so you're rubbing elbows with, with these, these all timers. Uh, then his pedigree and we talk, Adam, you talk about pedigree the whole time. It's a different type of pedigree, but it's certainly still pedigree. He, he's been around this game for long enough. And, you know, it, it's, it's something about timing too, guys, right? Like getting, we talked about chase uh, edge chasing or chasing edges that that's what he wants to set from a, almost like a mental state for the team to be continuously pushing and innovating on the edge of keeping the rest of the NFL off balance. Cool. You're probably not getting that from a 65 year old. You're probably just not because they're probably set in some of their ways or even not 65. You're probably not getting that from a Dan Quinn. And you didn't even get that from a Robert Sala. Like Sala came in and he has the way he does it, which is a kind of a peat ball. You know, like we're going to line up. We're going to be better than you. We're going to keep it pretty darn simple. And it's effective when you got the bodies and I think what McDonald is trying to show is that you could be very effective with, uh, you know, a more, a more flexible, um, a flexible band of brothers out there. And we'll see. We'll see if that repeats itself with with the with the Seahawks as it did with the Ravens. But, yeah, I'm not worried about the age, guys. I'm really not. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't think it's advantageous or a disadvantage. I just think he's a dude in the moment and he he's setting He's setting standards for NFL defenses 
right now. And he's our guy right now. And I think that's a good thing. Boy, this thing has been blown out of proportion so much. I mean, we've, we've heard almost everybody come on and be like, oh, we've gone from the oldest coach to the youngest coach. And, you know, it's something to say, and I get it. Like, I, I understand that and everything. But in terms of, well, is he too young? Well, I don't know. Has he had success everywhere he's gone? Oh, he has. Uh, did he learn how to do this under the Harbaugh's who are inarguably a great coaches? Um, yeah. Uh, the last two years at the highest spot that he has achieved to this point, did he kill it? Yep. I mean, I, if all that comes to together along with 10 years perfecting your craft and getting to however many thousands of reps it is that Malcolm Gladwell says you need to yeah. have uh mastery. Like he's there. Just listen to him talk. Like it, this guy is not over his skis. Like in this moment, you see so many dudes that get hired and, they, they get that Adam Gaze look right through that first <laughs> press conference. And he's just kind of like, yeah, no, here I am. We're going to do some cool stuff. And uh, sometimes I get a little monotone. I'm going to have to watch that. But <laughs> yeah. other than that, it's going to be good. And uh, I, yeah, the age doesn't worry me at all. I do think, Clinton, you talked about once you get to um, a little bit older as a coach in setting your ways or in any profession, yeah, um, it is hard to be innovative. Right. And so all of your experience at some point becomes a negative because things have changed so much around you. And especially in the last couple of years, it feels like, um, especially with younger players and connecting to them, that's where I think the age uh, matters. I think that's changed a lot in the last couple of years. And I think that's going to be super helpful for McDonald. On, on screen, we got uh, the truth as, as I know it. Thank you, by the way. The comments are good. And he's saying, please explain how two years as a coordinator and eight years of NFL experience makes a strong candidate. Again, it's 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 likely not the the for me. It's not the combination of saying you get to some magic number of years, and you can't take away the time or not say the time in Michigan was was not successful. He's really successful there too at the highest level of collegiate football. The thing for me is it's just it's just more that um, when you're for getting a brand new coach, which we did, are we looking for what's the the apex this organization could be the highest ceiling? I think is with a guy like this McDonald. Here's the deal. He might flame out in two to three years. That is a very possible possibility, right? He could be Staley. Adam, you talked about it. You went into all the numbers and said, look, are we sure we want to get rid of Pete? Because it's about a 30% or so uh, chance that we're going to get this right. That's three out of 10. So to, to the, you know, the commenters uh, question there, we don't know but I don't think it's some magic elixir that gets you to some number that says, okay, he's qualified now. It's, it's simply listen to the dude as we can. We're just getting to know him. Look at what he's done on the field professionally. And is he an innovator? Is he pushing the game forward? For me, it's like, check, check, check. He gets the chance. He was my number one dude. He might flame out, but it's still a good risk to, to give this guy the chance, in my opinion. Yeah. Just two things to that. Yeah. Like number one, how do we know that eight years doing assistant stuff and everything they did in two years as a coordinator doesn't make him a qualified candidate? What makes you say that that absolutely says that there's no way that he can be qualified to do it? Like, I mean, unless you sat there and interviewed him, you can't say that you really can't. And then also the proof is in the pudding going along the way. And what makes him, a, if I'll tell you the eight, eight years and then two years being a coordinator, you put all that together and that makes a strong candidate, not because I say it, not because Clinton says it, 
but the league has spoken. Like he was somebody that was in uh, high demand. That that is without doubt. So uh, he's a strong candidate. Like there's no two ways to parse it. It's just it is what it is. Now, guaranteeing success, just as Clinton put it, can't do it. This could be a total disaster, a rolling dumpster fire, and I don't think it's going to happen, but it might. Yeah, the potential is there. And if you were to go ahead and, and try and predict right now what's going to happen next season, I mean, there's no way to know because there's still so much information that, that we're going to gain over these, well, for the next couple of weeks, once we know who some of the coordinators might be. I know one of them that we talked about last night, the linebackers coach for the Ravens, he was elevated to the defensive coordinator for the Ravens. So he's off the board. Ijero Avero, who I was hyping up last night, Sounds like he's wanted back at the at the Panthers uh, coaching under um, Canales, who also had his press conference earlier today. And yeah, you know, there's a, another young candidate who doesn't have a ton of experience, but a guy who, man, I, I don't know if you guys watched any of the Canales press conference or heard some of his commentary, but. It sounded so much like it, like if we were going to go for Pete Carroll light or to try and continue that on, he talked about it being all about the ball. And so it was like all of that same Pete Carroll stuff kind of wrapped into his press conference in Carolina. And uh, so it was, it was interesting to listen to, but again, it's, it kind of, when you're talking about it, Adam, how the league has spoken. Yeah. Canales, not a lot of experience one year as OC and here he is, he's getting to run the show. Uh, with another, you know, former Seahawk in Dan Morgan, who was who came up through the the uh, under John Schneider, but also played in the NFL, and uh, and they're going to run the show there in Carolina. So it, it is interesting, just the way the league is kind of shifting. First off, with uh, Canales, like uh, we we always have to call him Canales, like Canales. <laughs> I, I thought it was gotta, I thought it was Canales. Is Canales? Uh, yeah, Canales was a couple years ago, but I, I think I've uh, shifted to uh, Canales. Like uh, but uh, now that's a candidate where you look at it, where I would agree with people being like, that doesn't seem like a lot of experience." Like Mike was a defensive coordinator at Michigan. He was a defensive coordinator for two years for the Ravens. Um, the Canales had uh, a cup of coffee in Tampa uh, with some decent good, skill position. Good, good cup though. Good cup though. You know, he was, he was good with Gino. He made, he, he got Gino doing real well. And then he had, he got the best of Baker Mayfield. So just, yeah. just playing devil's advocate again, it's sure. a year, but I think, I, I think Canales is, is a good coach, but we should, but, but your point is uh, right. I think this, like, that's a good one to point at it. Like it's even less time yeah. at that high level. Right. So. Yeah, and that feels like the line there, right? You know, if you've only done the job before the next one you're about to get for one year, that's tough. Yeah, and and the truth is, I know coming back in, I'm not saying McDonald isn't qualified. I'm saying he has giant question marks, and and I think that's fair. I I think that's one of the things that we talked about last night too, just in terms of guys who have won the Super Bowl versus those that haven't. But when now the league is trending toward all these young guys. We're going to start to see a lot more younger guys, I think, who are winning the Super Bowl because it's that's who's going to be in the playoffs generally, and it's the way it's trending. Did I hear today correctly? Was it in the presser, or did I see it somewhere else that um, McDonald is going to call? He's going to call the defensive plays. Yeah, was that in the presser too? Yes. Or okay, because I think that's that's awesome. It's. What you would, because for me, it's like what you would expect out of an offensive coach, right? If you got Ben Johnson as a head coach, 
you'd expect he would just call the plays, right? That's that's what the expectation. I didn't I didn't I don't know about you guys. I didn't expect that with a head coach who's a DC. I don't know why. Probably just some bias floating around. But is that the norm for these DCs coming over, or is that you know is this a bit out of the norm? I, I'm not really up to speed on that. I think it probably depends on the coach because even even in the press conference he explained. You know, as of right now, well, one, he doesn't have a defensive coordinator on the staff. So he he talked about it saying that I intend to call the plays or plan to call the plays. And then once I have a guy who is here that I know who can take on that duty and, and we are in sync and, and is that sort of guy, then I can focus more on the head coaching and, and because I am the head coach of the team. But for now, the, the plan is that, that he's going to be calling the defense. Do we like that? Do you like that? Or do, would you rather have him? bringing a DC sooner that he feels he could pass it to even year one. Did you just Kirk cousins me? Yeah. I like that. <laughs> I do. I do like that. Uh, look, you're going to hire a guy who's a guru on one side of the ball, or the other, like take care of that side of the ball, man. D'Amico Ryan's did it last year down here in uh, Texas or in uh, Houston and found himself a good OC to handle that side of things. I like that. And to Brandon's point, he did kind of say, look, um, I'm probably going to call him, but if I, bring in a dude that I like and that I know can do it, then I'll let him take care of it. So one of the things that I took away from a lot of what Mike said is that he's not super stuck on any one way. He's more results driven in whatever process it takes to get to that result. Screw it. He's in. And I like that a lot. Right. Because they talked about, you know, running the football and how you know, yeah. trying to get into uh, percentages or that sort of thing. And and he did really dial it in and say that it's, it's more about the results and the situation. And a lot of people point to his pass rushing stats and want to say, Oh, you need a, you know, blitz this many times and looking at it in a very situational way. Uh, that, that all makes sense. I, I agree too. And, and I guess one other piece that stood out for me too, was just, I've heard different people react to the way he reacted to the Gino question. And I've heard different, like, oh, that was, you know, he was flippant. That would, he didn't, he, or, or no, no, he recognized them exactly the way you should. And I just want to see where you guys, because that that is our quarterback. He's on a team friendly deal. I have a certain opinion of that answer, but maybe uh, Brandon, maybe did, when you heard him answer the question about Gino, did it move you one way or the other, or alarm you? It didn't. It, it only struck me as a guy who knew the quarterbacks who were currently on the team. And other than <laughs> he recognized that that Gino was at the Pro Bowl, which was great. He, he brought up Drew's name right after that. And I, I thought, OK, well, that's fine because yeah, Drew's also currently on the team. Yes, he's going to be a free agent and, and we don't know the status, but he sounded like he had a lot of respect for more. I thought in the interviews that he did on the radio he he spoke highly of Gino and in terms of the preparation for him he recognized the respect that Gino draws from his teammates and I I think that it was it just that's about as far as I got with it but I also got the sense that he's probably open to finding a quarterback in the draft so I, I don't think he wants to make a set in stone like make the announcement today that Gino Smith's our starting quarterback week one yeah. How about you, Adam? Could there be a bigger nothing burger? I mean, literally the guy was just like, oh yeah, you know, Gino's here. He's off of the Pro Bowl. You know, there's Drew. And uh, yeah, quarterbacks. Uh, we like to build around quarterbacks because offense is important. You got to help out the quarterback. He's the most important guy. Um, platitudes, dude. There, were, that, there was nothing of substance in there whatsoever 
now with that said, with that said, like all I'm saying is that he's gonna take the quarterbacks he has on the roster. He's gonna get them on the field. He's gonna look at them. He's gonna make his own decisions, and then he's gonna go from there. Like I don't know what else you're supposed to take out of it. I wouldn't expect anything different yeah. from a new head coach either. So I, I don't know. Like, I have I have a slightly different tweak to that, right? A little, a little different approach. It is it, it's to the positive. It, so if I if he if I enter that press conference not knowing much about you know McDonald and what he may or may not do with Gino, and I watch just that press conference and I have to lay a bet. Am I more assured or less assured that Geno Smith is our starter next year? I am, I'd say about 20 to 25% more assured that Geno Smith starts for Seattle next year. And it's the, this dude is a wry, wry, very sharp individual, right? So for him to, to parse it out and go like, yeah, we got Geno, like he's at the Pro Bowl. Like for people like this, Pete, Pete uses lots of words. This guy doesn't use lots of words. So I think he's, he's a little bit more careful, a little more selective. Him saying that, I think he's like a, yeah, ding dongs. We have a Pro Bowl quarterback two years in a row and on a team friendly deal where I'm here to go win games. And by, by, hey, we got a great culture here that I'm not going to mess things up. Things are pretty steady, Eddie, on culture. Same answer. It's the same answer, guys. Geno Smith, he's going, and if just from that alone, I was able, I think I'm able to glean. Now he likes what he sees in Gino. It's, it's probably a reason he's here because he can get to success probably quite a bit quicker and have a, put an offensive person in, in there with DK, with K9, with Lockett, with JSN, with Gino, with Abe and be like, yeah, yeah, I'll, we'll figure that out. <laughs> we'll, we'll be fine there. So it, for me, it, it struck me that way, dudes. I, I did get the sense that he, he sees it as an opportunity to, to win now. I just, but I think any coach is probably going to say that at their opening press conference, like, oh, well, you know, we're probably going to overhaul the roster and take a few steps back. And, you know, maybe we go five and 12 and then we can uh, build through the draft. I, I don't think any coach is going to say that, even if they're looking at that as a potential situation. So, I, yeah, I, I, I think you can read into it what you want and uh, based on your priors, Clinton, and that's fine. But, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't get it. The only reason I disagree with you, Clinton, is I said a number of podcasts ago that I think there's nearly a hundred percent chance that Geno Smith is the starter next season. So I can't get twenty five percent more short because <laughs> uh, I'm already there. Look, Geno Smith at worst is an excellent bridge quarterback. If you were gonna go and get one of these guys in this draft and haven't started, just barely started looking at these college QBs that are coming out this year. This could be four, five, six dudes deep that are legit first round talents. Unlike say last year where there was one. And mm. that's why I was so against going after quarterbacks last year, unless it was Stroud. I mean, I said that from the start this year, it looks a lot different. And with that grouping of dudes, you can move up from where are they now 16 in the first round. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you don't have to get to three. You right. can maybe only have to get to 11 or whatever it is. I haven't looked at the board and all that nonsense yet because it's annoying. But at the end of the day, they can take Gino and at least at the very least, make him a bridge quarterback, keep some stability on the, <laughs> on the <laughs> other side of the, uh, of the football there where, I mean, I guess the one thing to Ryan's 
Yeah, Adam. Adam's chuckling at the the comment that says, "Wait, Adam guaranteed another season of Pete too." Now I'm worried about Gino. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, they could trade Gino. That's about the only way mm. that I see that they don't go uh, this season with Gino. But man, keep him around. Tutor the young buck, man. Like for a year, do the Alex Smith thing with the Mahomes. Like I, I just think he's the perfect dude for that. And if you can't get that quarterback. And he's the perfect dude to potentially take you to the Super Bowl, anyways. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, Brandon. So, uh, yeah, I, that, and that's that. That was it for me, guys. I, I I don't know about there was much much more to to glean from that, but I thought there were some nuggets. I think this dude's a. I think he's a serious individual. That's what I think we got. And I think we got a very serious individual um, who will connect with players in a, in a different way than Pete did. And and again, it's okay. I think it's going to be, I think it'll be a net positive. Um, and, and frankly, I'm just excited to see this brand of football. I know we have the whole off season. I know we got the draft and we got to fix, fix some things. We're going to have gaps, free agency, everything. It's going to be a fun off season though, dude. It's, you know, it's, it's going to be learning about the senior bowl, learning about the shrine bowl, then getting into the, all the picks and having EJ on the pod, Brandon and others. This is going to be a blast, man. But once it starts to get time to form up in like August, and then we start to see what this could look like, even as vanilla as it might be. Um, yeah, I'm just excited about this pick, guys. Very, very excited. It's going to be fun. It's going to be different. And I think that there are still things that I'm waiting for because there could be some things that end up infuriating us even before uh, the, the next couple of weeks pass because there are decisions that have to be made. And they could be good decisions. They could be bad decisions. And the the bummer is that we we won't know for many many months. Mm, yeah, we got, we got a little little time, a little time. Um, hey, so we we failed to uh, remind any any new folks, but maybe what they should be doing well, before we probably my bad because my internet <laughs> just decided to die as soon as I got on from the limousine. But uh, but Brandon, should we should we tell folks what to do? Yeah, if you're uh, just tuning in for the first time, be sure to uh, subscribe to the show out on YouTube if you haven't already. You can also find us on any of the podcasting platforms. Just search for the Seahawkers podcast, and that way you can get those episodes audio only if that's the way you like to listen and uh, get them in your podcast feed as soon as they come out. And if you've been around, you want to help support the show, get in the That way uh, you can help support the show. We have a Discord. And you can get in there. And uh, yeah, it's just a, a fun way. We all chat and uh, through the Discord and the off season, just a fun place to be. So getintheflock.com is a good way to find yourself there. You betcha. And if you could do that for us, it would help uh, generate a little revenue so that we can bribe uh, Clinton's local internet guy to fix whatever's going on there. Uh, that would be, that'd be a, very helpful for us. Well, I told, I told you guys, this is, we have zero sum internet somehow, some way between three different geolocations. Yeah. Now that Adam has gotten better internet, it had to come from somewhere. <laughs> it's, 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 That's right. <laughs> and, and this time it's me. So it's just what it is. The, uh, the laws of time, thermodynamics also apply to the internet. That's it. it that, uh, Mr. I Phil. I don't the, even know the, if that's thermodynamics <laughs> or not. I just was throwing that out there. I don't know. It sounds like things are uh, digressing to entropy here. So uh, maybe we should hit the eject cord anyways. And I think with that, there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.